Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast, where we're serving up gospel-fueled courage to the Christian woman to remain faithful in her calling. Hello, and welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. I'm Jordan Sparks, and I'm here today with my good friend, Andrea Hunerhoff. You got it. Was that it? Hunerhoff. Yeah, that is it. I even yeah. practiced it, and then I came to it, and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to butcher it. Hunerhoff. Is it German? Yeah, it is. It means okay. like a chicken yard or a chicken farm. That's so perfect. I know. <laughs> we I went, walked that. right into those roots. Yeah. I feel like I should ask you what you had for breakfast because that's what you and Allison do. You're like, what? So what'd you eat for breakfast today, Andrea? Yeah, well, it is a fun question. Um, it I is a two fun turkey question. eggs, <laughs> two turkey eggs, some cheese and um, a little bit of baked beans. That sounds good. Baked beans. That's, that's a surprising one. I wasn't expecting that one, but why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? It was good. And what did you eat? I ate some breakfast casserole, leftover breakfast casserole. We oh. went to a friend's for dinner last night and we did a breakfast theme. So I brought a casserole that's like uh, six eggs, a cup of cheddar cheese, a pound of sausage, some potatoes, milk, salt, like super simple. I make this casserole Yum. constantly at my house just to have in the yeah. refrigerator because I can easily get some out. And that's what we eat for mm-hmm. breakfast most times. It's my mm-hmm. mother-in-law's recipe and she always makes it for family get-togethers. And then I'm like, this is just such a basic, easy protein and yummy yeah. casserole that I make it a lot. Yeah. So we had left her of that. And then last night, my friend also made these amazing buttermilk pancakes that were just so good with oh, come some on. blueberries <laughs> on top and a homemade whipped cream Ooh. on top. And it was just really magical pancakes. So it was like a breakfast for dinner party. Yes. Yeah. And then we also had some fruit and she made some homemade salsa to go on top of the egg casserole. It was was pretty, it was delicious. Yeah. It sounds ideal. Yeah. So Andrea is a very interesting follow on Instagram. I only know you through Instagram (laughs) and then the amount that we chat on there, but uh, everyone should follow Andrea. You're it's like at sign farm and hearth, right? Yeah, that's how people can find you. But Andrea lives on a beautiful homestead in Washington. She does tons of interesting things, like I said. And you also co-host the Ancestral Kitchen with Allison Kay, and she lives in Italy. So I've just said nine million interesting things about you. But (laughs) you also are a wealth of knowledge about essential oils, side hustles, canning. The list goes on. Like there's so many reasons I could tell people to follow along with your life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So what are some other things about you and your family that you could? share with everyone? I don't know. You put a lot out there. (laughs) (laughs) How did you get started with the ancestral kitchen? The ancestral kitchen. Well, so that's a podcast that Allison and I are doing together and she has an Instagram called ancestral kitchen. And she and I found each other through the Weston a price hashtag. And, um, I guess she found me and then I, I don't even know how it happened. And we just started talking and I was making her recipes and we were talking about the recipes. And then, you know, how it goes, you just start talking more and more. And then we're asking each other, what did you eat? You know? (laughs) (laughs) And then she said, I've always had this burning desire to do a podcast. Um, and it just doesn't sound right on my own. I want to do it with somebody. I want to do it with you. What do you think? So, uh, we started out doing it and it has been so much fun. It's such a great, it's such a great podcast. Everyone should follow it. So you posted on Instagram. It's been a, probably a couple of weeks ago or something that, and I tried to find the original post, but it was something along the lines of hospitality versus entertainment. Do you have that original post? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I remember which one it was. It was when I was up in the, (laughs) try to open Instagram playing music. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Um, how is hospitality different from entertaining? And that was a question in, uh, there's a Bible study book that my mom gave me in high school called, uh, God's priceless woman by Wanda Kennedy Sanceri. And I obviously did it, you know, for high school when I was a teenager, but then I actually took it with me on my honeymoon because we drove. Mm -hmm. And so I was reading it on the long, on some of the long driving parts and, I read that again, and it's just always stuck with me. What is the difference? And when somebody comes over and I think to myself, am I trying to entertain them or am I extending hospitality? Mm -hmm. Just a question that can 
kind of stick in your brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, well, so today that, so that's a springboard of where we're coming from and what a great book to read as a newly married woman, yeah, it was um, a really good book to read. you know, getting your own household for the first time and setting mm-hmm. up all of these traditions for the very first time and what's going to be normal mm-hmm. for your family for the first time. I think that was probably God's providence in your life because now Definitely. seeing the fruit of that, even through yeah. Instagram, I can see the fruit of that. So it's yeah, really cool. 100%. So today we're going to set up this dichotomy between the two. And at times I think they do overlap to some degree. Sometimes of course, oh, when totally. we're showing hospitality, we're also entertaining, of course, but I do believe that making this helpful distinction can give us more freedom and motivation for true hospitality. Right. Um, so first let's talk about the fact that all Christians are called the hospitality. Mm-hmm. We know this because of Romans 12, 13, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. First Peter 4, 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I mean, the list goes on. There's lots and lots of scriptures that have yep. to do with hospitality. And even Hebrews 13, 2, I have written down here, do not forget yeah. to entertain strangers <laughs> for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. How crazy is that scripture? I know. That's like, <laughs> I know you had mentioned like, it in your notes too. Like when you really yeah. have to think about that, like what? That's really interesting yeah. that whenever we're what? giving to people in need that m- we may have entertained angels without knowing it. Wow. Totally. Really amazing. And puts another degree of specialness to showing hospitality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So we know that we are all called to hospitality in one degree or another. Um, But what is hospitality? Yeah, that's the big question, right? I think kind of what you and I were talking about, which then led to us say you saying, no, we need, we need to do this on a podcast that like you said, we're all called to hospitality. However, I think it can get really stressful, confusing, and then just vanish from our life altogether. If we actually can get confused by thinking we need to be entertaining. Yeah. Because so, some people just panicked whenever I said all Christians are called to hospitality. They're like, <laughs> cause they thought I meant throwing parties. Yeah. Or they're introverted and they're just like, I just can't, you know? So, um, and I actually did not go and look up the dictionary definitions of this. I, I left it completely as my, <laughs> my cultural understanding of it, mm-hmm. but hospitality, um, obviously the word hospital is in there, mm-hmm. <laughs> hospital hospice, you know, all these sorts of instances of selfless giving often to somebody who can never give you a return. And that is all about the person, the receiver and their experience and how, um, how they can be blessed and feel at home versus in my mind, entertaining entertainment is more of, let me show you how big my house is. And this is where you hear people say, I don't have a big house. I can't have people over, uh um, or how fancy my dishes are. Oh, we don't have nice dishes. I can't have people over. Um, or I don't have my houses. Yeah. Or I don't have room in my grocery budget. Yeah. Yeah. Fancy food. Mm -hmm. Um, something that just has been remarkable to me is that when I, I have a lot of friends from different countries and the, the ones that come from countries where their traditional systems are still intact hospitality is absolutely second nature and habitual for them. And it's not expensive or extravagant and it isn't based on when they want to do it. So mm-hmm. what I mean by that is I'll give a, I'll give a specific example. Cause those always help me. Yeah. Um, my neighbor in Virginia beach, she's from Kenya. Um, her name is Agnes. She's amazing. And she and I were always back and forth across to each other's houses. And I remember the first time they had me over for dinner, Gary was deployed. And so me and Jacob came over for dinner and they served an elaborate meal of beans cooked in sauce and chapati that she had made. Okay. I don't and know what's some, chapati. Pause. I like what's a flat. Ch- like, okay. okay. <laughs> flatbread, flatbread. Okay. Um, and cooked greens. So really mm-hmm. over the top. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, 
just about one of my most memorable meals mm. in my life and established the, like the beginning of one of my best friendships mm. and was obviously not expensive at all. Mm-hmm. And we sat in their teeny tiny house on like stacks of boxes of clothes or whatever, <laughs> you know, like it, it wasn't fancy. It wasn't yeah. slovenly, you know, right. she has mm-hmm. her dishes done and things were not disgusting, but it was a cramped tiny house with babies running around in it. That wasn't, you know, spotless by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just, uh, it, I, she also taught me and, and Beryl, my friend Beryl as well. Um, she's also from Kenya, but a different tribe. And she told me, they both said, oh, you always have to have tea on the stove. You, you know, mm-hmm. they taught me how to make their chai, you know, mm-hmm. leaves and spices cooked and then um, with milk and sugar. And then you strain it like through a little strainer. And they said, you always have to have tea on the stove. You know, mm-hmm. you, you're, you'll get a lot of trouble. You, mama <laughs> will chop us if we don't <laughs> speak. But she'll chop us if we don't have tea, you know, ready for guests at any minute. Cause you never know when they could come. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, that's the opposite of entertaining mm-hmm. because yeah. you might even be in the middle of something yeah. when you have to extend hospitality mm-hmm. and it might not be convenient for you. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think often in scripture, hospitality is pointed towards people in need where a totally. lot of, yeah. Totally. And, and a lot of times in my mind, it has been a habit to think, okay, hospitality isn't necessarily people in need. It's more get togethers. Like what, it, when, mm-hmm. when is, when are, when are we going to plan this get together? And that is hospitality instead of this person is in need, whether it be emotionally, like, is a person lonely? Mm-hmm. Are they mm-hmm. missing someone in their family? Like, I'm sure that was a blessing to you because Gary was deployed. Like that was probably 100%. a huge part of this relationship and connection because yeah. your husband was deployed and you were in Virginia beach with a newborn. And, <laughs> yeah. With a newborn. Like that was a huge <laughs> hospitality towards you because it was showing yeah. you care and friendship and community. And, um, and then there's the people in need, obviously that are hungry or thirsty or, you know, Mm -hmm. naked, Mm -hmm. which I don't often, you know, that's like the scriptural (laughs) example of like these naked people that are in need. I don't know. There's a lot of naked people out there nowadays. It's like popular. (laughs) So so. (laughs) this is your time. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, there's these people in need that we should be showing hospitality to. And I think the need that I probably see the most in, um, you know, like middle-class America is the loneliness. And, and the people who need that community and welcoming them into a family. And I love the scripture that God puts the lonely in families and, and just thinking about like giving people around you a family to be a part of, whether it be like, maybe they live away from extended family. Maybe they don't have a mother close to help out with childcare, you know, just inviting them in and being like, Hey, we're a safe place for you to be with your children and we'll provide you with food or a drink or a backyard to play in and and not thinking that they're requiring a banquet, but that they're requiring friendship. Uh, Yes. And I think that that is so helpful because it takes all off so much pressure. Like if you're providing family mm-hmm. and I'm thinking in terms of my church fl- family right now too, like if I can provide family to be a part of like, welcome to Christ church, welcome to a family. And, and yep. our church is great at this. And I, I love our community. Um, but if we can provide each other with that, like what a huge blessing and hospitality that can affect mm-hmm. a lot of families and a lot of community without a lot of like effort from us. It's not like we have to put in a lot of time and effort and research and how to make the certain meal and how to buy the right tablecloth. And, um, I love pretty tablecloths. It's not that, but it's also, (laughs) but it's not that kind of effort. It's the kind of effort Mm -hmm. of like heart warming times together. Yep. That verse that you said is a really great point. God sets so lonely in families because the obverse of that coin is you're the family he's setting them in because he called you to it Mm. (laughs) a couple verses, you know, all all over the place. Um, when, when he said that, you know, he gave us mandates towards the orphans and the widows and obviously the prisoners and things like that. And, um, yeah, it's not just magically he's <laughs> forming families out of the dust. Like, no, he he created those families and then um, 
told them to invite you in. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And were we not invited into God's family when we were yeah. spiritually orphans? With no you know? merits when yeah. we were when we had nothing to to cover us or clothe us. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah. I also like the without grumbling show hospitality without grumbling because obviously that is the temptation. <laughs> like, and it is. I, yeah. I've said this to Jared before. I'm like, why can I not one time invite people over without sinning before they get here? Like, why can I not do that? And like, by God's <laughs> grace, I believe that one day it will happen. But like, it is so the temptation to be like. I'm trying to get all this stuff together and you guys are just doing all this stuff and no one's paying attention to all the work that needs to be done. And it's and, and 10 times out of 10, I have looked when that happens to me, because that, that was actually my number one thing that kept me from having people over with is what you just described. And when I would be having people over and then you, you get bitter about something or you snap Mm -hmm. about something, I would snap about something and I would think, Okay. But why, what is motivating that? And it was always a form of pride. Yeah. Like, Oh, well, people are going to look, take one look at the bathroom and be like, obviously these people are slobs, you know? (laughs) So then I'm instantly thinking Mm -hmm. about how they're going to perceive me and how I'm not going to look so good or whatever. Yeah. I mean, is is there a sin in the Bible that is given more like (laughs) airtime than pride. Right. I don't think there is. Airtime. It's really it's <laughs> so true. <laughs> That's so it's, true. It's it is. It's the stress that rises up is because this isn't going to be perfect and I'm not going to look like I'm excellent at everything that I'm doing. It's like, okay, well, if I'm actually inviting them in to give them love and like show them Christ's love, is it really that important that everything is perfect before they get yeah. here? Um, and honestly, like I've also had to train myself that it, things don't have to be 100% done when people get here, I can invite them Mm -hmm. into the process of getting ready to host people. And that can be a service of teaching as well. The, there's something that I call the bikini effect. Okay. (laughs) Do you go on? Like (laughs) this makes sense. So when we lived in Virginia beach, we lived, lived on the beach in an old beach house um, tons of cockroaches. It was fantastic. And when I would go to the beach with Jacob pretty much every single day, because I knew we were here for a temporary time mm-hmm. it was military posting. I want to make the most of it. I'm really glad I did. And when I was on the beach, I would notice, man, everybody is in super good shape, <laughs> like super good shape, super cute bikinis. Everybody's just like all toned. Mm-hmm. Right. And then um, I would go to the beach and I would invite, you know, mom friends and they'd say, Oh, I'm, I'm not going to swim or anything. Oh, I just, I have stretch marks or I flabby or whatever. And then I started realizing that it was, it was false that everybody was in shape. It was mm-hmm. just that only the people who were in shape were jumping in the water. You know what I mean? Hmm. And so I, I thought, well, if everybody who actually wanted to swim, I'm not saying wear a bikini necessarily, Mm -hmm. but would go to the beach and jump in the water, then you would no longer have this idea that everybody else was in shape and I'm the only one who's not. Mm. And so with houses, obviously, and I always tell the kids, you know, we, we, we do our best to pick up before people come over as a sign of respect and Mm -hmm. give them a gracious, you know, welcome and maybe even like a seat to sit on covered with laundry, but, but also not absolutely, um, you know, punishing my entire family, um, over having to have the house completely spotless because I've had more people walk in the door and say, man, it's so nice just to be in a real home. And, um, or I, I always feel so guilty that my house isn't so perfect, but you know, it obviously doesn't have to be. And so I always think to myself, well, if more people, if we did more of those really random stop and drink the chai at somebody house, somebody's house thing, the unprepared mm-hmm. stop-ins, but we don't want those because, um, our house isn't clean all the time. And so we can't have them just stop by or, uh, uh I'm doing something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> doing I like something. the idea of 
the working house, the working kitchen, whatever it may be, like the realities mm-hmm. of what a home is actually like for yeah. a family. And, and that's another cool thing with inviting people into hospitality is they get to get a glimpse into a Christian household of what Absolutely. it looks like yeah. for your family as you're following Christ and having children or, or maybe you're empty nesters, whatever it may be, like what your stage of life looks like following the Lord as a family. And yeah. And the realities of that, like we homeschool, we try to have a very productive home. Like we do, Jared Mm -hmm. works from home. There's five people eating three meals a day, a day here. And I try to cook (laughs) them all. So like, (laughs) there's a lot of things going on all the time here. And just the realities of what that looks like. It looks like books on tables and it looks like laundry on (gasps) the certain chair that it's always on. (laughs) Yeah. And it looks like a sink that has evidence of people eating in this home. And so, and so just the realities of that, of like, those aren't necessarily, they, are bad things if you neglect them. If you're totally. being unfaithful yeah. with your kitchen and there are dishes there that are molded from last week, like that is <laughs> not being faithful with what God's right. given you. And like, okay, there, there might be a season and it, imagine that I said a bunch of things that make you feel better if you've ever had a molded dish in your sink. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like that's there's seasons, there's, ex- but if that's happening all the time, like, okay. Everybody with a newborn faithful. right now is like, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> knife to the heart. No, but like just practically speaking, if you keep a relatively tidy home, it's a whole lot easier to have unexpected guests. Just be faithful every single day. If, if someone pees on the floor, just clean it up real quick. Like it's not a big deal. Just clean it up. This is life, you guys. (laughs) What actually happened. Yeah. Or like if someone (laughs) ate, go ahead and have them put their thing in the dishwasher, you know, do those little acts of faithfulness throughout the day so that you can have a relatively clean home Mm -hmm. so that it's not like, oh my gosh, things are disgusting here. And I cannot (laughs) have people in this home because I would be humiliated. Yeah. That, yeah. Which- but just knowing that a working home does have stuff around. Absolutely. And okay. no, I think that's such a good point. And that's another thing. Somebody messaged me on Instagram a couple months ago and she said how she's on a farm similar to ours, just like small, not commercial family type farm. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, I just feel like there's always, it's the, the case of something's always in motion. There's always piles mm-hmm. of boots by the door, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there's always baskets of eggs waiting to be washed. You're never really caught up per se, because everything's dynamic is constantly moving. And she said, I'd want to have people over, but then her friends from the city come over and they're just kind of appalled. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And I told her, well, it's obviously, like you said, there's two ditches you can fall in, you know, there's perfectionism on the one side and absolute, like slovenliness on the other. Yeah. But if more, there are very few productive homes anymore. It used to be over 95% of Americans or something crazy lived on farms. And now it's like less than 1%. And that's a huge shift that, that obviously doesn't mean someone who's not living on a farm, isn't living in a productive home obviously. Um, but what it's saying is culturally, there was always an understanding that there was constantly milk waiting to be skimmed and Mm -hmm. boots by the door and aprons hanging and, Mm -hmm. you know, book stacked somewhere. And now it's like every home has become a show home Mm -hmm. and you sleep there. You all watch Netflix in your own rooms and you eat out and you have like a smoothie for breakfast and everybody works out at different gyms and you don't talk and, you know, right. But with the, the increase, the, the oxen, you know, yeah. oxen leave stuff laying yeah. around. I don't know if anybody knew this, <laughs> but they leave markers of yeah. the presence. And yeah. that totally happens when people are living in a home and we're just not used to seeing homes that are lived in or what I call like the living kitchen where you're, you're not even in the kitchen, but it's working. Mm-hmm. It's alive. Something's happening. Yeah. Um, I think that perfect. (laughs) Yeah. I I think Instagram and Pinterest have given us this false and unhelpful view of the home. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and, and of hospitality and entertaining and all that. Like these, these like picture perfect moments that, you know, in everybody's time of hospitality, you could get that perfect shot of a cup of coffee that just looks so totally. cozy and perfect, you know, but you because stop we stop before the kid kicks over yes, the cup of coffee yeah. and then you started, you know, screaming and the yeah. baby's crying. Right. And you're like, <laughs> I can't do this. I cannot show hospitality. No. Um, but I think it stopped us from showing hospitality. And if, if that's the case, then we need to stop and by God's grace, like dig ourselves out of that hole of disobedience and be like, okay, God, help me to show hospitality. And um, you and I even talked about showing hospitality is to our families as well. This isn't only towards totally. outsiders. Like we show hospitality to our children when we give them a glass of water or that, or when we take care of them when we're sick, when they're sick, mm-hmm. sorry, or, or even just co- cooking them a meal, like being kind to them, like showing hospitality towards our family. And if we're not being mm-hmm. faithful in that small task, well, it's not a small task, but in that close right. to home task that God's given us, like it will be impossible for us as we stretch outward towards people around us. And I think in a lot of ways, it comes down to um, the passage about considering others more significant than yourself. Philippians two, three, do nothing Mm -hmm. out of selfish, selfish ambition or conceit rather in humility, value others more, more significant than yourself or above yourself. Mm -hmm. And if we are not doing this with our family, then we're not going to do this with people around us either. Um, So I think, or we might, actually choke it out for other people oh, that's and your true. entire family will see you as a hypocrite. Oh man. So true. <laughs> Which is possibly worse. <laughs> right. You're totally right. So, so then you see, Oh, look, she's nice. When the neighbor comes over and yeah. as soon as the door's closed, we all get the backside, you know, get it yourself. Like, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's no good. And it's an inconsistent character, mm-hmm. which is um, a problem. And I was thinking when you were talking about the houses there, how, yeah, we have this sin of pride to deal with over everything looking perfect. And then there's the, the person who don't be that person who walks in the door. There's another sin that gets a lot of airtime, um, which is peddled by the tongue. And <laughs> so don't be that person who's like, mm-hmm. oh, is that Jordan's house? And let me tell you, she does not have it together. <laughs> like, like, no, you may act like she has it together, but she doesn't. However, <laughs> there's just no space for that. Just yeah. No space for that. Yeah. And, and, uh, I was also thinking about how wives can actually disqualify their husbands by not being mm-hmm. hospitable, uh, in first Timothy yeah. three, two, it talks yeah. about, you know, to be here, I'll just read it. Now, uh, the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. And mm-hmm. a wife can say, no, I don't want to have people over. I don't want to have any people over anymore. Like that. I'm not going to, I don't want to give to this blah, 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 because I'm overwhelmed. And it, like, this is speaking to myself as well. Like it's important yeah. for me to be hospitable. And there are times that it is a challenge. And I, I have to Mm -hmm. fight my flesh that doesn't want to sometimes that I am overwhelmed with the things that I have to do. And I don't want to, but it's like, no, this is God's command to me to be hospitable. And especially Mm -hmm. as my husband is an overseer, he is in a role that God has called him to do. So even more to me to have self-control. And also I love the verse to serve with a strength that God provides. Where is Mm -hmm. that one at? I can't remember where that one was at. Sometimes that's all you've got to go on. I'm yeah. not even joking. There's times when you're just, um, you're done, you're toasted. Um, and it, <laughs> somebody's at the door. Yes. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I wonder if one of the reasons why, you know, you think, why would, you know, Jordan's behavior disqualify Jared? And I wonder if part of that is because your ability, and willingness to be hospitable is supported by the way he's treating you and the way he's supporting you. Hmm. Yeah, that's um, a good point. First Peter four eleven. if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, mm. he should do it with a strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ to him, be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And, um, it's like, we have to be doing the things that we're doing by the strength that God provides, or we are going to consistently be falling flat and being exhausted and bitter, but it's like, okay, I want to do this for your glory and honor. I don't want to just be hospitable because 
I want to use my teacups a few times this month. You know, it's, I want God, I want to honor you in my life and I want to obey you. Please give me the strength to do that. Um, yeah. So I think just remembering like God has strength for us in those times too. And, and the I- hospitality towards your family. Um, that's, that's a way of thinking about it that I don't really think came in, came to me until the last few years when I realized, cause I, in my head, you know, hospitality was, oh, me and Gary are going to have someone over for dinner. Kind of like you said, you know, I get together. Um, and then when I started realizing, oh, hospitality is actually the way you treat your family. That's pretty convicting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's really helpful because you think, well, what would be nice for them? Well, it'd probably be nice if they had dinner. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, what would be nice for the kids? It would probably be nice if we went for a walk. Do I want to? Mm, not really. <laughs> Do I have time? Uh, definitely not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are we going? Yeah, I guess we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Um, it does help yeah. make some of those decisions. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk practically. What are some helpful tips when it comes to cooking? I know you do a lot of mm-hmm. traditional cooking, a lot of food preservation. Like what are some practical things that you have found over the years? I know you also do a great job with bringing meals to women after they have children, which is a huge way that um, we show hospitality. Right, right. Um, just caring for mothers and, and making sure that they are healthy and nourished and all that. Totally. So what are some practical things that we can prepare? Okay. Well, um, like specific foods or yeah, foods or things that you've done over the years that has been helpful for you to be able to just like at a moment's notice, I saw the other day that someone, was it someone that was camping with you and had like a medical Mm -hmm. need out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And you were like, here's some stuff I'm grabbing and taking to them. Um, just having, being able to think about it in those terms of like, I might need this for either our family or someone else someday. Absolutely. So one of the most useful things randomly is to have soups made in jars. Yeah. Um, you could can them. I usually throw them in the freezer. Yeah. Um, because a lot of time or meals, um, a lot of times when somebody needs something, it's literally now yeah. zero notice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you're part of a food train or whatever, and you're mm-hmm. like, go, oh, I'll take the 27th. But, um, a lot of times, um, Hey, mom just went into labor three weeks early and she's back home and needs food. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And one of the ways I found a good way you can show hospitality is if I have a friend who's pregnant, which we often do, (laughs) um, I find out way early if there's food sensitivities in the home, what they are, because when she's home six hours postpartum, I don't want to be texting like, can your son have gluten or is it just wheat specifically? Right. You know, it's like, I can't even um, reach my phone. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what day it is. Yeah. <laughs> so finding out what the food sensitivities are in the entire home. Um, and a lot of times I'll just make soups generally for myself and I'll mark them gluten-free or whatever and have them in the freezer. Maybe I'm planning to eat it myself, but then when some, somebody pops up with a need, I can say, okay, at least I know this one's gluten-free. I can take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a great idea. So yeah. Soups, meats, um, uh, something that, um, Lexi and I talked about is that a, a way and okay. So you and I, we love the ancestral foods, <laughs> like all the things I've got a freezer full of organ meat, um, to some people that would be gross. <laughs> right. And a form of hospitality, um, I'm going to tread lightly as I say this, because I'm not advocating just eating junk, but a form of hospitality might be serving something that I myself maybe particularly wouldn't eat. Um, in terms of like, I'm not going to serve somebody like subpar standard something or other, but I'm also not going to serve them something that to them is repellent. Like don't and bring them tongue. Like not everyone. Unless they're tongue. like, I love tongue. Like right. Allison, I'm, br- I'm bringing her tongue. Yeah. She's going to get tongue. My that's friend Margo is getting tongue. Like, that's, yeah. What, yeah, that's what they want. Okay. Yeah. Um, to them, that's please nourish me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm probably not going to go so far as doing hamburger helper. 
Right. But mm-hmm. I might make a middle ground and cook some yeah. ground beef, make, yeah. you know, condense, uh, my own condensed onion soup version yeah. and um, some noodles, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, being sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually realized that when a friend came over and her son, um, she, she kept apologizing for it. He was only three or four and he didn't like any of our food. She's like, I'm so sorry. You know, I I'm like, I don't like, ah, you know, I feel so bad. And so the next time she came over, cause they come, they stay for a couple of days cause they live out of town. So the next time she came over, I asked her, what does he like? Yeah. Like, tell me what he likes. Um, well, he really likes peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Well, we literally never had that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make sure I have everything on hand for peanut mm-hmm. butter and jelly sandwiches. Well, he really likes bacon and eggs. Okay. Like I can do that. Yeah. Um, because I thought, oh, well, I want to show hospitality to this little kid and mm-hmm. not have it just be miserable the entire time and unhappy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's a good point. And I think traditional cooking lends itself really well to making mm-hmm. big batches of things. Oh, because it's all that's yeah. Traditional cooking is not French cuisine. Um, you know, like seven course meals with teeny tiny appetizers on a plate. Traditional cooking is by and large, um, peasant food for large families in famines. (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty Mm -hmm. much what it is. (laughs) Yeah. So like when I make beans, it's just as easy to make a lot of beans versus a small amount of beans. So like, and it probably costs 10 cents more. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So like, if I'm going to make a huge batch of pinto beans, then we're going to eat it a couple days. And then I'm going to freeze the rest in jars that I can very easily pull out of the freezer and I can bring a taco situation to someone at a moment's notice. Um, Totally. Totally. Or the same with soups. That's a great one. Just having a lot of soup in the freezer. Um, mm-hmm. Or like if I'm going to smoke, uh, say I'm going to make bar- barbecue and we're going to mm-hmm. smoke something or put it in the crock pot. I'm just going to put a big piece of meat in the crock pot, knowing that our family's yeah. not going to eat yeah. every bit of it. We'll eat on it in a few days, but then I'm going to freeze the rest that we can either eat on a day that it was busy and I can easily pull it out of the freezer or I can take it to someone at a moment's notice. Totally. So I have a question. Whenever yeah. you freeze soups, do you usually do it in a quart jar or do you do it in bigger mm-hmm. than that? What do you do mm-hmm. it in? I do it in a wide mouth pint. Wide mouth pint. And then if you're bringing it to a family, do you just bring like two or three jars then? Or what do you do? Depends on how big the family is. Okay. Um, Or if I know she's got a freezer. One of my friend's daughter had unexpected emergency brain surgery. And so I knew what they could eat. Fairly restricted diet due to lots of allergies in the home. Mm -hmm. And so I made like a big butternut squash soup, which is Mm -hmm. super inexpensive to make. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And probably one of my favorite soups of all time. Yeah. I made a gluten-free beef stew and then just a bunch of broths and things that I knew they could eat, froze it all in pint jars and then just dropped it off at her house. And her mom just went and stuffed it all in the freezer Mm -hmm. because I knew they were coming to and from, to and from, to and from the hospital. If I brought a casserole, yeah, it may or may not have been able to be utilized, mm-hmm. but small portions mm-hmm. um, worked in that situation. Yeah, and portions that she might not get to for a couple weeks, and that's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, um, that I, out great. I frequently do the wide mouth pints for freezing. That's like technically what mm-hmm. you're supposed to do, right? When you're freezing mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have successfully frozen in quarts as long as it is cool going into the freezer. Mm. What do you think about that? Um, I've had a percentage of success and a percentage of failure yeah. just enough for me to decide that I wasn't going to freeze it because yeah. I didn't want to lose, possibly lose the stuff. Yeah. But it depends on the quart jar. Um, mm-hmm. There's some brands that don't have a really pronounced heel and, and mm-hmm. they're fine. Like it's not mm-hmm. the size of the jar. It's the shape mm-hmm. the curves. Yeah. Yeah. At the bottom gotcha. and top. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Any other practical tips when it comes to hospitality? Oh, something, something walked right through my mind and I forgot it, but I'll say it if it comes back. (laughs) Okay. Hey, anything else then I'm going to, I think I've touched on everything that I had written down. What about you? There was another aspect that did come to my mind, which was hospitality when you're in somebody else's home. Oh, good one. That is a very real thing. So any 
I don't know if you can hear the baby. She's upstairs. Gary's got her, but her leg is hurting from growing pains. Oh. Um, but when you're in, let's just say, I'll give a kind of extreme example. You are taking a meal to a needy family and they invite you in and you're like, uh, we'll go inside. Mm-hmm. And then they serve you something and you're like, that's definitely liver, you know, eat it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, showing hospitality and then you're not looking around like, yeah, you know, this mm-hmm. isn't, you know, that's like a kind of extreme example, but, um, showing hospitality to people when you're in their home, being gracious, accepting the gifts that they give you, mm-hmm. being able to accept, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, not being like a flatterer, obviously, but being kind. Um, and then <laughs> a few that there was, this was another weird, extreme example. Gary's mom came and stayed with us in Virginia beach a number of times. And one time when she was there, we got norovirus. Oh my. <laughs> and so me, Gary and Jacob were throwing up all over the place. Mm-hmm. And she went to the store and bought paper towels because we don't usually have those. And, yeah. um, she was like literally cleaning up our puke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that was great hospitality towards it us. It sure was. <laughs> In our own home. Yeah. <laughs> looking after mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Um, and then you and I both have um, guests, you know, with um, camping platforms or whatever. And I went up to take a cooler and some ice blocks to a camper the other day and they were making milk tea. They're from India, um, from a, uh, agricultural region outside of Mumbai. And they, when I went up to drop off the ice bricks, they said, would you like some tea? And I felt like I was, you know, being invited in and treated to hospitality. Like it's on my own property. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But yeah. here they were making me tea and, um, uh, asking questions about our life and sharing about theirs and, um, just extending just really gracious hospitality, by the That's way, cool. the, the way you make milk tea is ratio two parts, water to one part milk, shred in some ginger, put in some black tea leaves and crush in some cardamom pods and then stir and whisk and cook it on the stove simmer for a little while while stirring and then pour it through strainers into your mugs and serve it to your guests that sounds <laughs> right up my all. alley yeah that sounds fantastic yeah, 100% <laughs> so tell a little bit about what you guys do with the campers our our situation mm. is a little bit different we have so we have a couple campers that we rent out but whenever we rent them out we make them we go and set them up and then make them look all swanky and bougie and mm-hmm. give mm-hmm. them breakfast in the morning and all that kind of stuff. Your guys' situation. I want to stay in your camper so no, bad. it's so fun. It's so fun. <laughs> okay. But I love, I love staging things. Like that is, totally. I love doing that. I love doing that in houses. I love doing that in the camper. Like I just love making things look pretty. And mm-hmm. I think that sometimes can be my own roadblock with hospitality. Cause it's like, oh wait, don't come in yet. Let, let, uh, let me light a candle, you know, <laughs> like, let me, me roll look- the towel just so for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let me make a quick swan. Hold on. i gotta google it (laughs) yeah yeah but i love i love like the magical pretty aesthetics like i love that kind of stuff totally um so anyways that's my roadblock but talk about your guys's hip camp and all the Mm -hmm. all the stuff that you guys do okay so um as airbnb and hip camp and things like that grow in popularity i see this sometimes in the host groups every once in a while disgruntled hosts will complain about something and somebody else will remind them of something that is largely not acknowledged in our, um, make money and make it fast and make it easy and make it, um, you know, off, you know, without any effort from me, millennial Mm -hmm. kind of culture, which is you're in the hospitality business. (laughs) You're literally in the Mm -hmm. industry of showing hospitality. And sometimes it's going to be inconvenient. (laughs) Yeah. Even if they're paying you, Mm -hmm. even if they're paying you, they're still your guest. They still might be an angel in disguise. You Right. (laughs) (laughs) They might be in need. Yeah. You don't know either. Um, a family might come out and, um, camp on the anniversary of their child passing away. Like you don't know why Mm -hmm. they're there. Mm -hmm. You have no idea. So just show them kindness. 
and we have one glamping tent, which is like set up with the bed and, um, you know, a fireplace and things like that. And then we have campsites where, you know, you could bring your own tent or RV or whatever. And then we have one teepee. So, um, showing hospitality to guests starts, you know, for, for you, the host, it starts the minute they land on your post your, or your listing. Um, by honestly telling them and showing them what to expect, Mm -hmm. not misleading them, not letting them find out when they get here that you're Mm -hmm. on the side of a highway, Mm -hmm. um, like really making it simple and clear and super understandable and super honest. And then I don't know if you've ever read the book, the go giver, Mm -hmm. um, but that's like a little business book and it's kind of like guide to hospitality in a way, mm-hmm. um, because it's all these ways you can give more, um, that doesn't necessarily mean like you spent more. Mm-hmm. So, um, I always think, well, when a guest comes, what does it cost if you're going out to greet them to have a good attitude right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to make them feel very welcome. And what does it cost to, you know, get down on the ground and look their kids in the eye and welcome them and say, how are you doing? And show them a turkey egg or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't cost you really anything dollar wise, but it is meaningful to a guest and it's hospitality. So <clears throat> we have a restroom like in a building with a sauna. And so I like to show hospitality in the restroom. I I just always think, what have I ever walked into a bathroom and needed? What have I ever walked Mm -hmm. into a bathroom and been surprised by? Um, like obviously there's hand soap and hand towels. Um, but you know, a a clip thing of ponytails, um, some little cotton rounds for your face. Mm -hmm. Um, Q-tips, mm-hmm. <laughs> lotion, yeah. um, soap in the shower in case people mm-hmm. forget, towels folded up for people, um, a diffuser, lots of books to read, mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> at our house, there's going to be books. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for, you know, glampers, we've got um, a drawer with just what we call necessities. So um, socks, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. uh, toothbrushes, little tiny toothpaste, um, bug repellent hand sanitizer, mm. trash bags, pencils, mm-hmm. uh, phone charger. Cause it's off. Yeah. It's just nowhere to plug your phone in. Yeah. Um, you know, just what are the things that you walk in and need? And a lot of people say in the reviews, wow, everything, you know, every time I turned around, just what I needed was exactly what mm. it should have been. So, you know, that people are, you know, getting used to okay, the baby's coming downstairs. You might hear her. That's fine. <laughs> Come on, Adelaide. Do you like hurting you? Um, side note, just, just for everyone's information, what do you use for growing pains for your kids? Do you use magnesium? Uh, I have used that. I use the Coolazool pain cream. Okay. Uh, the one young living has, which has been the best thing I've found so far. And I've tried to make versions of it and the kids know, you know, they're, it's the middle of the night. Their eyes are closed. They can't say anything, but they're like, that's the wrong one. Yeah. (laughs) I have a magnesium cream with lavender in it. And that has been, I I don't know if it's 100% working, but it's enough of a, uh, placebo effect at least where they feel, (laughs) they feel comforted in their growing pains. You're showing them hospitality. I'm showing them hospitality. Actually, you know, putting your hands on them. Nothing, nothing beats like the, like a good massage on their legs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So that was, sorry about that. I was just curious mainly. (laughs) (laughs) So your guys's place looks amazing on Instagram and sounds so wonderful. You do a great job. Like the things, the things that I have learned in our camping stuff, I feel like have been inspired by watching you doing such a good job showing hospitality to people. When Jared sent me the zoom link, um, I was thinking, you know, I, I was thinking about how you guys have the camping thing and everything. And I just, I saw his email real quick and I thought it said Jared's parks, (laughs) Jared's parks. (laughs) That would have been cool. (laughs) 
<laughs> hey, you never know. Maybe we'll own some parks one day. I would yeah, like that. It could happen. Jared <laughs> Sparks Parks. Yeah. I was just Sparks like, oh, wait, is no, Sparks. This is his name. Yeah. Sparks Parks yeah. of Illinois. Yeah. But right. if, you, if you're going to engage in hospitality and have people staying at your house paid or not, um, uh, ex- expect inconvenience. And um, especially if you have paying guests, you're going to have things like um, you're going to throw away sheets, <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, stuff's going to happen. And that's just part of it. Um, we've had people uh, break things or somebody spilled an entire bottle of wine on the bed or something in there like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And, um, I'll pay for it or, or whatever. And, um, we haven't hit anything super egregious or, mm-hmm. uh, and certainly nothing malicious. Mm-hmm. And so we always tell them, don't worry about it. Like yeah. it's built in to our yes. expenses. Mm-hmm. We assume things will be damaged. That's, yeah. you know, we, we price as such. Yeah. Um, and so, we want to extend hospitality to them by saying, no, it's okay. Um, mm-hmm. don't sweat it. Um, yeah. obviously if somebody came in and was just trashing your stuff, that'd be different. Right. <laughs> yeah. Never had that. With our, so we hosted small group for years and years and years at our house. And there would be times that a kid's toy got broken or some, you know, some mm-hmm. random thing. Mm-hmm. And I would always tell the kids like, Hey, people are more important. People are more important than this stuff. <laughs> so we don't sweat it. We don't sweat it because the people that came here are more important than this toy. And it's not a big deal. But I think that like those kind of reminders are helpful, even for us as adults, whenever we get flustered mm. about something that may have happened to our stuff, you know, it's like, no, right. pe- people are more important. Like hopefully they felt yeah. the love of the Lord and hopefully they were ministered to, and that yeah. God was honored in this hospitality. And if, I mean, and as the guest extending hospitality to your host, if you're coming in and you're just like, kid is just running rampant and you're just over there ignoring him and you're like, ah, people are more important. So, you know, let him smash. Oh, the windows. Oh. it doesn't matter. Like that's, that's a problem. You know? Yes. So I'm not saying, you know, take abuse, no. but, um, I certainly agree with you on that. And, um, people, people know, I remember, uh, I went to somebody's house one time as a kid and I, um, was carrying a gift bag in cause it was for baby shower and I accidentally knocked over like a crystal candle holder and it smashed when I was like mortified, but the lady was not mad about mm-hmm. it. And my mom said, well, she, um, is clearly in possession of her own heart. She's not owned by her stuff. Mm, Um, It doesn't manage her. And I, Mm -hmm. just as a kid, that was made such a big impression on me. Yeah. That is really cool. I don't want to be managed by it. And we, Mm -hmm. one way we extend hospitality to our guests when they come over and they have little kids and, um, we tell them, you know, well, if anything in the house could be broken, our kids probably already broke it. So don't worry <laughs> yeah. about it. And then Gary will say, and if they do break something, it probably needed to break anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks That's a awesome. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming and chatting with us today. You're yeah. a wealth of knowledge and this, this was, was such a blessing. So thank you so much. And thank you for listening, everybody. And don't forget to check out Andrea on Farm and Hearth or on the Ancestral Kitchen. Thanks, Jordan. This is awesome. All right. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. For more information, you can go to fruitfulandfearless.com.